Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Um, there's new booklets back there for our weeks from um, five, six, seven, and I believe all the way up to eight. So make sure you grab one of those. If you don't have one, you can head out there and they'll, they'll make sure you got one of those. But we've just been talking about and laying a foundation um, about finding freedom in our lives where sometimes as Christians we get tangled up into habits and thoughts and areas that are, are unholy, that are not righteous, and um, trying to help us to understand that, you know what, that's not God's best for us, right? John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and that life more abundantly. And Jesus has a life for us that, that is, is, is full of great things. But oftentimes we get bound by the enemy in our thought life, in our habits, in, our, in those areas of our life that cause us not to experience this full. And then what happens is we get discouraged. We get kind of frustrated with like kind of what's going on. And so then we don't really kind of just jump in and, and really, you know, do the things that, that, that um, we, we feel like is, is doing anything for the kingdom. And so... What we want to do today is we're going to um, cover another topic that has to do with an area of, of um, us being in bondage that oftentimes we don't recognize or understand that we really are because we've opened doors to it. Um, we've allowed it to come into our life. And so the title of our message today is Breaking Free of the Fear of Man. Breaking Free of the Fear of Man. Let me pray real quick. Holy Spirit. Help us to understand how to break free from the fear of man. Amen. Okay, so the fear of man is really a universal fear. Okay, it's not centralized. It doesn't just totally like, you know, pick one group, people group. It doesn't just pick young people to be fearful of man. It doesn't just pick older people to be fearful of man. It picks everybody, right? There's opportunities for us to sometimes step back and be afraid of what people are thinking about us or what, they, or what they will think. And fearing people is a dangerous trap, okay? It is a dangerous trap. It will snare your soul. And let me give you this, this scripture right up here. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. It says, the fear of man brings a snare. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe, okay? So the fear of man is an open door that allows the enemy to come in, okay? And it causes us to live under bondage or control of what people say or maybe even don't say about us. Where that's, that's the primary evident thing in our um, relationships or in our ability to even share the gospel. We think more about what people are going to think about us than what God thinks about it, right? We, we, we're needing man's approval more than we need God's approval. Uh, there's a book, and I just kind of stole the title of it, but, but it just kind of gives you an idea. It's when people are big and God is small. In your life. When people are bigger than God is in your life, God's small because I'm so concerned 
about what people are going to think. And, um, you know, I, when, you, when you start doing studies like this and you start thinking about, you know, your own life, man, I, I have to admit, I, I've, I've had an ongoing battle with this um, area of my life, this open door. And it started when I was young. And it sometimes carries over to when I am um, older and, and, and even in the present day where I, there have been moments and stories where I could look back and say that the fear of man was controlling me or controlling my decision. It was driving me. It was holding me captive. And I've had to come to the Lord often and, and surrender and say, Lord, help me to overcome that. Now you think, man, well, yeah, but you're a pastor. You should be like, boom, man, right in people's faces all the time. But I, I'm just being honest with you because, you know what, I, I put my, my, my pants on one leg at a time like you guys do. And there are times in my life, like I said, there are stories, there are situations that I can look at that are very evident to me where I allowed this, the fear of man, to come into my life. Even as a kid, I remember it. Even I think in some ways that was my struggle with even wanting to be in ministry because of that. Because of all the things that maybe even people wounded me with, that I carried those wounds, and then I was in fear of man because those wounds would be shown. Those things would, we would be out there. And so, the key is, is though, we always have to come back to the Lord, right? We've always got to look to Him to be able to say, okay, Lord, maybe, 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 maybe I, I messed it up this time, but help me to, to transition into the fact that I no longer care, right, about what people have to say about me or what they think about me or, or what they might be saying, where sometimes we, we give people way more credit that they're talking about us when they're not really talking about us. You ever notice that? But we have to understand that, you know what, we've, we've got to get beyond that. We've got to get beyond that. And sometimes, you know, I looked at it as though, well, you know, I, I know I've got some insecurity issues. This is my weakness. It's a kind of a weakness for me. But I never really thought about it in the context about being held bonded, in bondage to man, to what man thought about me. Never really grasped that until I started working through our message and started allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of talk to me. So I'm just kind of laying that out there to you because I, you know, I, I want you to know, like I said, I'm, I'm human just like you. I'm working through these. So if I'm preaching today and it sounds really good, I'm preaching to myself. Okay? And I hopefully it preaches to you too where the Holy Spirit can speak to you. But it's just something that's very real. It's very evident, okay? But this bondage, this fear of man can act kind of like an addiction for approval. It can and act like an addiction for approval. Where we're, we're just kind of looking at every single detail and hoping that, you know what, we're not being judged, we're not going to be too confrontive, we're not going to be this or that. Think, think about it. I mean, if, sometimes we think this. Man, if I witness to them about Jesus, they're going to think, man, I'm kind of a Jesus freak. And they're going to try to keep their distance from me, and they're going to kind of space themselves, and they don't want anything to do that. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I have. So then there's, you know, other opportunities. Like you come in, and man, it's time to worship. And, I, and I'm not, you know, saying, hey, you, you got to do this. But man, the fact that maybe you don't raise your hands because you're more concerned about people looking at you that, that your hands are raised and thinking, wow, what a weirdo. 
Because we're more concerned about what people might think of us more than what God would think of us, right? Or even, you know what, sometimes going down to the altar, you might be in a service, and man, the Lord is really dealing with you, and there's people here to pray for you at the altar, or at, at another uh, opportunity at a church that you're at, and you think, man, I, I, I need to go down there, but you know what, I don't want to go down there, because I don't want people to think I got issues, I got problems, because you know, that's an easy way for people to go, yeah, see, I knew they needed to go down there for prayer, I just knew it, Right? It's all because we put this weight on ourselves for people's approval. When God's like, you don't, you don't need people's approval. You need my approval. Right? I mean, look at social media. Right? Social media doesn't help. Now, I, I, I feel like I'm lowballing this, but I would say probably 98.9% .9 of the time people post to get approvals. It's probably 99.9%. .9%. But I, I lowballed it. But 98.9%. All that stuff on social media is so that, you know, because you hear people, oh, I can't believe they didn't like, like my post. They didn't reply. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Right? Or we're looking at how many likes did I get on this one? How, how, many, how many had said this? Oh, look, I got 350 comments. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips. This is awesome. But see, we're looking for man's approval more so than we are looking for God. And the other thing about the spirit of, this spirit of bondage, right? It can uh, get us to the point where we begin to play it safe. We play it safe in our lifestyle, right? We play it safe in our head, right? Because it convinces us that we should not do anything to make people reject us. Am I preaching to the choir? Because I'm preaching to me, Right? We get this, this feeling like, you know what? I don't want anybody to reject me. So it's a lot safer to kind of fear man. Fear their opinion of me. Fear what they, they might be saying. But, but here, here's the thing I, I was thinking about. Sadly, though, for, for many Christians, I'm not saying you, but for sadly for many Christians, I, I think we're going to get to heaven and God's going to go, hey, you didn't do anything for the kingdom because you were too afraid of man, right? You, you didn't pray for people. You didn't witness the people. You didn't maybe even join a connect group because if I was in a connect group, oh my gosh, man, people are going to know my stuff maybe or whatever it is. Or, you know, he's just going to look at it and say, you know what? There, there was so much more that I had for you to do, but you were so afraid of people's opinion, and not my opinion. Right? I, I know I said earlier, but man, what God loves you, right? And and what moves him is you. But see, we've got to move in his direction as well. Not just kind of, you know, stand there on a bump on a log and be so fearful of man that we 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 just we don't even move. Let me give you a, a, a scripture here. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. So that just tells us that fear is a spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Fear is a spirit, but it's not a godly spirit. Can I get an amen to that? All right, man, you guys are on it today. Right? And it's not one that God, God has not given you this spirit of fear. So when the, 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 the fear of man comes upon us, is it God 
Or is it the influence of the enemy? It's the influence of the enemy, right? But sometimes we, we, we try to rationalize or we try to reason it out and try to kind of cover it with some kind of holy picture that makes it look all good. But really, if you get down to the very core root system, you're dealing with the fear of man because you're not being who God's created you to be. So we're going to look at three things that the fear of man does to us when we're in bondage to it. The very first one is the fear of man. It snares you to man. Okay? It snares you to man. Again, Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now, the word snare actually means a trap. And picture, picture it like a trap. You would trap an animal. Or, or I'm going to use kind of maybe a bird analogy because back then they didn't really like have guns to kill birds. Right? They didn't go duck hunting or whatever it was. But they used traps in order to, to, to trap birds. And these traps were designed so that the birds could not do what they were designed to do once they were trapped. You understand that? The birds could not do what they were designed to do once they were trapped. Right? What, 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 are, what are birds designed to do? They were born to soar. They were born to fly. So when they get snared, they can no longer be who they're supposed to be. Now, does that sound something that could be associated with us? When we're snared by man, we can't be who God's called us to be. We can't soar. As Christians, we're supposed to soar. We're supposed to, to fly. I mean, you, you look at, you know, um, you've seen it in movies or whatever. This, this picture came to my head. But, you know, when they release a bird, they just go like this, right? And the bird takes off and flies. God, God, God's just like, oh, man, that's, that's what I want for your life. I'm the guy that's going to let you go and, man, just let you just burst on the, on, into the air, onto the scene, whatever it is. He, he wants you to soar. But see, what happens is, is that we, we, we don't because we're snared by man's opinion of us. And so we can't soar. We can't take risk for the kingdom, right? Because we're more concerned about man's approval than we are God's approval, and when we, when we begin to live in fear of man, right, or, 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 um, and, and live for man's approval, then, then we, we're, we're caught. We're snagged. It, it, it keeps us in bondage. And we're not able to soar. We're not able to fly the way God wants us to be, the way he's made us to be. And when we're trapped or in this bondage, listen, we become unproductive for the kingdom. When we are trapped by the snare of the fear of man, we become unproductive in the kingdom. Now, you might have some small amounts of productivity, but you're not reaching the potential that God has for you to reach because he's got a, a tremendous amount of potential in you. Right? He designed you. He knows every detail about you. He puts you on this earth at such a time as this in order for you to be a kingdom person. Okay? Let me give you Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 and 6. 
Jeremiah chapter 15 says this. This is what the Lord says. Okay. So this is God talking. He said, cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like studded, stunted shrubs. Key. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert. With no hope for the future, they will live in barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. Now, the word I want to really point out is that word stunted, right? Undersized, not reaching its full potential. That speaks to us because remember what he said is when you start trusting man, you're not going to reach your full potential. You're going to be stunted in everything that you try to do. You're not going to grow to the capacity that God wants you to grow to. Because God, God has people in your life that he wants you to touch for the kingdom. He has people in your life that he wants you to, 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 to lead to him if they're unsaved. He has, he has people in your life that he wants you to encourage with the word of God. Speaking truth to them, but encouraging them. Leading them to know who God is, that God loves them. But see... What happens is is when we start just being fearful of man and trusting man more than we trust God, what happens is we become stunted because we're living in this bondage of, of approval. And we won't fly like the way we were supposed to fly. So, it, so we become unproductive. Now let me give you an, an Old Testament example here. I'm going to give you an Old Testament and New Testament example. Right? King Saul who fell into the snare of fearing man. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Now, there's certain parts of Saul that I feel, this is just me, I identify with. And I, I'm, I've been in shock when I, when I read it, and all of a sudden the Lord says, hey, sound familiar? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's David. I, I, I'm more like David. He says, yeah, but you know what? You got, you got some things in your life that are a little more like Saul. So again, 1 Samuel 15, the prophet Samuel tells King Saul that the Lord has uh, decided to settle accounts with the nation of uh, Amalek. So because the nation of Amalek had opposed Israel when they came out of Egypt. So he tells Saul to go and completely destroy the whole Amalek nation. Destroy everything. Everyone, everything has to be destroyed. Nothing was to be left. So Saul goes out, he leads his army, and he slaughters them. Yet, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 9, if you have your Bible or up on here on the screen, it says, Saul and his men spared Agag's life. Agag was the king of the Amalekites. So was he obeying God already? Man, the very first part of this verse, he's already disobeying God. What's up with that? And he says, Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and the goats, the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them, not just Saul, right? To them, they destroyed only what was uh, worthless or of poor quality. So did he follow God's directions? No, he didn't. So God said Samuel, right? He said, Samuel, I need you to go find Saul. 
and I, and I need you to talk to him. So Samuel goes out, and he hears these bleeding sheep, and he's like, hey, Saul, what's the deal? Why do I hear bleeding sheep, eating cows, all this stuff? What's going on here? So I love Saul's response, in a sense, because he, he, he tries to make it all holy. He says, well, we saved all this stuff so we could sacrifice to God, right? He was trying to make it look like, oh, yeah, I got it all covered. But he totally disobeyed. So here, here Samuel's like, man, I'm not, I'm not buying that at all. And, and I really think at that point, Samuel understood that Saul was in bondage to the fear of man. So, so let's see what happens. This is what Samuel says. Verse 17. Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? Check that out. He says, although you may think little of yourself. So what was going on inside of Saul was the fact that he had no confidence, low self-esteem, didn't know who he was in God. And so he sees himself as little. But yet Samuel says, dude, aren't you the leader of the tribe of Israel? Aren't you the king of Judah? But see, because Saul had an insecurity issue in his life. He was more afraid of man than he was of God. So, let, let, let's, let's see what happens. And, 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 and realize this too. Saul, so then because of what Saul, um, this, this bondage that he was in, Saul's not really living to the potential that God had for him, right? God called him to be king. But there was so much more that God wanted him to do in that as being king. But it was, he wasn't living up to that. So he wasn't flying or, or soaring. He was more just kind of trapped. So, Samuel asks, well, what's what's your deal? And here's here's the answer from Paul. I mean, Saul. In verse 24, it says, Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. Here it is. For I was afraid of the people and did whatever they did. Demanded. Right? Fear of man. He's all I did whatever the people demanded. Not obey you, God. So he put people's opinions above God's opinion. Above what God wanted in his life. So Saul's fear bound him, right? Snared him to man. That was his open door. Because he needed this approval. But you know what? I think, if you're honest, you and I do that. But we just don't get put in a best-selling book. Right? Saul got put in a best-selling book for that. But see, in our lives, praise God. That man, all the times that maybe I have faltered or I have given in to this bondage of the fear of man, that it is not in a book. Praise God for that. But see, that's God's grace. That's, that's God's mercy at its best. And then let me, let me flip it over to, to the New Testament. And we can see that, you know what, there, there was a lot of people who believed on him secretly, but due to their fear of man, they wouldn't openly say it. John chapter 12, verse 40, 42. It says, yet there were many Jewish leaders. Now this is New Testament. Who believed in Jesus, 
But because they feared the Pharisees, they kept it a secret. So they wouldn't be ostracized by the assembly of the Jews. So here, here are these Jewish leaders, right? Oh, and it says, oh, go back. Yeah, okay. So here, here they are. They, it says they believed in Jesus, but they didn't want to say anything. They were trying to keep it a secret because they didn't want to be ostracized or put out by those who would be opposed to it. But we, we can do that so easily, so often, right? In our own lives. Because of our workplace or, or, our, or just people that we know. We don't necessarily express our views religiously or, or who Jesus is or whatever because sometimes we feel like we'll be ostracized. Let, let's see the next verse. And then it says, for they, this is these, the Jewish, for they love the glory that men could give them rather than the glory that came from God. See, that's that fear of man. Man, I, as long as people like me, as long as people, man, are patting me on the back and saying, hey, you're okay, even though, man, you're not, you're not, you're not really sharing anything about, about the Bible or about God or anything like that. Because cause, cause they were fearful. They, they were scared. So they, they had heard his teachings. They had seen all the signs and wonders, right? But they were afraid of what others would think of them. So we can't allow man to become our, your meter of acceptance, okay? Because when you do, you're snared to man. You're, you're, you're living for man, not, not for God. And see, God wants us to break free of that. Let me give you the second point. The fear of man snares you from God. The fear of man snares you from God. Now remember, God's plan for you is to soar, right? But when we come ensnared to, to the fear of man, we become in, we're in bondage. And God's plan can't fully develop, can't fully go into effect because we're bound. Now let's look at, at Saul again, okay? And see, see what happened. Remember, it, it, it snares you from God. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you have rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. Notice the separation a little bit there. He said, as Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. So because of Saul's fear of man, God took away his ability to fulfill his purpose that God had for him to be the king of Israel. It separated him a little bit from God. No longer could he fulfill what God had asked him to do. And not only that, not only did it negate his kingdom purpose, but then it also changed his relationship with God. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, 34 through 35. It says, Then Samuel went to uh, Ramah, or Ramah, and Saul uh, returned to his house at Gibbeth of Saul. Samuel, verse 35, Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him. And the Lord was sorry he had ever made Saul king of Israel. Now, I know that's a, maybe a tough one to hear, but you know what? I, I, think, I think 
when he had picked Saul, he saw qualities in Saul that would make him a great king. That would make him the king that God had called him to be. But there was other qualities that, that negated that. So from, the, from that moment on, right, God had departed from Saul. And now God still loves Saul, right? He didn't just kick Saul to the curb and say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't love you anymore. He didn't do that. But he departed from him in a sense that he could no longer use Saul for his purpose. And part of it, too, was the fact that he was really waiting for Saul to come back and repent. Because, you know, Saul was saying, oh, I repent. I'm sorry. Yeah, I blew it. I messed up. Yeah, but there, it, something was going on in his heart where it wasn't really the true, a true repentance. And so I, I believe that even Samuel, where it says that he was mourning for him and he, he was, you know, uh, about all that was just the fact that, man, he, he was looking for him to come back and truly repent, truly turn it over to the Lord and said, yeah, man, I really messed it up. Now, let's, get, let's look at a story in the New Testament. Real quick, it's somebody that you guys all know. We talked about a couple weeks ago. His name is Peter, right? Peter had a lot of pride in his life, but also Peter, Peter had this open door, okay? He had, he had an open door of the fear of man. In uh, Luke chapter uh, 22, verses 54 through 62, it says, having arrested him, Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a servant girl, seeing him as, um, as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. Now, look at verse 57. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I don't know him. So not only was he prideful, Hey, Jesus, I'll never run from you. I'll never discount you. Yet, when the going gets tough, he was afraid. Well, this one right here, he was afraid of a little girl, servant girl, who said, hey, are you, are you one of them? You're with him. Uh-uh. I don't know what you're talking about. He was afraid of her opinion. He was afraid of what might happen to him. He was afraid of man. Okay, verse 58. And after a while... While another saw him and said, you also, um, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, <laughs> I am not. Then after about an hour, so that's fear of man number two, right? If you're keeping count. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, uh, another confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow also was with him for he is a Galilean. And, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Fear of man number three. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, man, I, I, I just get the chills on that one, right? Because you know, as a parent, when you give your child a look, you can give a child a look like, you know, and they know. There's just something about it, right? At least you hope your kid does that, or even maybe your dog or something like that. Anyways, um, but, but here he is. Jesus gives him this look, and I'm sure, man, that was a look. That man had so many things to it. Like one, see, I told you, so you were going to fear man, and you were going to do it three times. Peter, come back. I love you so much. What are you doing? 
You know, so, so much in that right there. It says, then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. 62. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. He allowed the fear of man, right, to change. So now he's, he's snared to man. Right? Because he was like, no, I don't know. I want to save my own skin. I don't want to be looked at as wrong. I don't know what you'll do to me. And then now all of a sudden, what does he do after that? He goes back to his fishing business. He thinks, you know what? I blew it. God don't love me no more. He probably just it's totally discarded me. I'm isolated. I'm alone now. I'm just going back to fishing because I don't know what else to do because I totally messed it up. So it gave him this sense that he was now separated from God. When, he, when, you're, when you're in fear, fear of man. Gave him the sense, man, I, I'm separated God. But that, that really wasn't the case though. But here he goes back to fishing. And so he, he feels all these emotions. But man, thank God for John. The book of John records that Jesus met him on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias. And with grace and love, he calls him back. He said, hey, Peter, man, I want to restore you back to what I have designed for you. And we, we know, man, Peter was one of the greatest apostles, right? He was the one that gave the very first sermon in the book of Acts after the day of Pentecost. But see, grace and love came in and praise God, we're in this dispensation of grace and love because of who Christ is in our life. But he said, you know, what? hey, yeah, you messed up, but I'm calling you back to your purpose. I'm calling you back to what I have for you, what I want you to do. And that is, you know what? Go after my approval, not after man's approval. Because man's approval will not lead you anywhere. That's, that's why I was like so thankful for like, you know, scriptures like Romans um, 8.1. Um, I think I put it up on the board. Is it up on the board? Yeah. It says, that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Think about that. Yeah, we mess up, but if we come and we repent, what happens? He forgives and says, come on, let's get back, right? Let's ride the Jesus train whoop, whoop, and get, get to where, man, we want to go because he's got places for you to go, things to do, people to touch, people to reach. But see, if we live in this constant fear of people and what they're going to think about us because we love Jesus, then you know what? We're stunting our ability to grow and to impact our community and do the things that God has called you to do. Whatever that is. We, we, we can't live in, the, live in this fear. Let me, let, let me, let me give you one, one more, and we already read this scripture, but let me give it to you real quick. Jeremiah says this, okay? He said again, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength what happens? It says, Who heart, whose heart departs from the Lord. So as soon as you start trusting man, trusting in your own strength, and not God, I didn't say it. Scripture said it. You know what? Your, your heart's going to begin to depart from God because you are looking towards man. His approval, his strength, all of those things, when all you need is God's approval. Right? If you're walking in God's approval every, every time, man, you know what freedom that is? But see, the enemy wants to bind you. He wants to 
keep you bound. Because when you start walking in what God has approved for you to be in the kingdom of God, whoo, man, the enemy does not like that. He knows he's lost already. And it's just one more person walking in the authority that God has, been, has given to them and taking, right, taking the gates of hell or taking the, um, the thing by four. We're just, we're, we're, we're being able to knock down the gates of hell. I know I kind of butchered that scripture, but you kind of get the, 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 the content of it. Okay, so we have to learn to close the door to the fear of man. In our life. Let me give you the very last one. The fear of man snares others through you. Right? Sometimes we don't understand. Okay, it impacts us, obviously, because now we're snared to man. We're kind of trapped by man. Then, you know what? When we are trapped by man and we, we allow man to kind of, um, you know, put fear in our life and stuff like that, then that kind of separates us from God and not being able to walk in and everything. But also, what happens is the fear of man snares others through you. We don't realize this. Okay? But we start snaring others. Many times we do this by control or rejection of others, which then creates traps for them in their lives. Now, I'm flipping it a little bit. We're going to look at that New Testament first, and then we'll, we'll go back to our, our guy Saul. But in the New Testament, we can see that the Jews suffered from the fear of man. We kind of already stated that in our, our past uh, uh, verse. But, but the thing was, is that the Jews were so concerned that everything they did was about pleasing man. It was an outward show. It was an outward show to show, look how, look how holy we are. Look how righteous we are. Look at all the things that, that we do. Rather than being concerned about how God actually sees them in his eyes. Right? We read throughout scripture Right in the New Testament, where Jesus is constantly talking to the Pharisees, and he's like, "Hey guys, man, you, you got this all messed up. You know, there's deep things that are rooted in you that are not not good." But they would, on the outside, say, "Oh, but I do nothing wrong. I obey all this, and I do this, and I'm, yeah, I'm all good." But yet Jesus is like, "No, there, there's deeper things that are going on inside of you." That we have to be able to begin to unpluck. And so even in our lives, there are times where we've got to be able to say, okay, you know what, Lord, what is it are those things in our life that you know, um, are, are, are deeply rooted in us that we need to pull out? And I think for me, like I said earlier in the message, I know that this is an area in my life. Because I can think all the way back to when I was a little kid, man, all I wanted to do was please people. That, that was my main concern. And, and it established some things in my life. So let's look at a couple of scriptures that highlight this, this whole thing. John chapter 9, verse 19 through 23. says, and they asked him saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? Or how, yeah. How then does he now see? Waiting for the next verse. There he goes. His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. <laughs> or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because, why? They feared the Jews. 
For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. So here these Jews are, are already influencing, already snaring people because they're afraid. They're going to be put out of the synagogue. For, uh, John chapter 19, verse 38. It says, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, this is, it says, but secretly, right? He was like secret agent man. You know, he had the, the dark glasses on and the dark hat and the overcoat and all that. He was just kind of the secret guy. It says that, um, but secretly for fear of the Jews. Asked Pilate that, um, that he may take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. So we can see that what the, 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 the Jewish leaders were doing was putting fear in the life of people. They were snaring other people so that they could not live in the potential that God had for them. Because, right? God wants people to openly confess. To openly live for Christ. So this is kind of referring to what I said about the, the Pharisee or the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus points this out to them in verse 23, verse 15. He says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. He says, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. So what they were doing is they were putting them in the same bondage as them. As soon as they won them to G, or as soon as they won them to God and, and, and their, their ways and practices, man, they put them in bondage to man right away. That's what Jesus was trying to tell them. Their bondage was restricting those people's ability to fly and soar in their kingdom purpose. And so that, that's kind of that control. We have control over you. And then we have Saul, right? Our guy who was snared in 1 Samuel chapter 18. David had killed the Philistine, right? The women came out from around the town of Israel and they started singing this song. They were singing it to, to Saul. But he said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Okay, which angered Saul. He was not too happy about that. So Saul thinks in his head, they have... Credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only a thousand. So here he is. He's already caring about what others think about him. But uh, it says, but uh, then he says, what more can we get? What more can he get but the kingdom? So he began to watch David closely. And then one day when David was uh, playing the lyre, um, Saul ended up hurling his spear at David, trying to pin him against the wall, but he missed. But why did he do that? Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12. It says, Saul was then what? Afraid of David. For the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. So, because now God's favor was on David, Saul was fearful of David. Saul was now kind of a, apart from God. And then he goes after David. Now Saul's fear now affected David to the point that David had to run for his life. You remember that? He had to run for his life. Saul was after him. Right? David could no longer, right, in that season, 
be who God called him to be. He did a bunch of crazy stuff, right? I mean, he drooled all over his beard so that, you know, uh, the Philistines wouldn't attack him. I think when he went into um, a certain place, he ate bread from, from the priest's table, all kinds of stuff. But see, he could no longer be what he, who God called him to be as the, the next heir. What should have been a true, a smooth transition for him to become king now was in complete and total chaos with all that was going on. And so that put David in a snare, Saul's snare, so that now he was not being able to do what he needed to do. Not only that, Jonathan, Saul's son, him too. Because he had this covenant relationship with David and they would talk and all of that. Man, he had to kind of secretly keep this relationship going without his dad knowing. So that he, because you know what? Because now he was caught in this kind of snare, this trap. Because Jonathan already knew that David was supposed to be king. But now he's kind of holding back what God has asked him to do or, or called him to do because he's concerned for his own welfare. Because who knows, if he throws a, a thing at, at David, who knows, he could try to kill me too. So he's even trapped. So that, that rejection, when Saul rejected David, it put this whole thing into process where now they're, they're actually being snared by his trap. They're caught in it and they can't fulfill what God's called them to do. But see, God changed that. God made sure that he put, made everything right. He took care of David. He, he put everything into place the way it was supposed to. But we have to understand that when we reject people, when we say, you know what? No, you know what? I, 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 you're, you have, I have nothing to do with you. You, you, you can because you're fearing them or, or you're in this process of, of, of allowing them to, to be such a control thing in your life. The fact that you negate them, you're negating the fact that, man, you, you might have a part to play in their life. You may have this part to be able to, to, to speak and, 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 and help them in their relationship. I, I, man, there are so many people that have been a part of my life that have helped me grow in my relationship with Jesus. I'm so glad that they didn't put me in any kind of snare, any kind of trap. But man, they were all about, hey, soar, fly, go for it. Who cares what that person said? Who cares what this person said? Who cares that your, your, your first grade teacher told you you were a lousy reader and you'd never be good at reading? Right? All those things. But I had people in my life that said, you know what? No, let's lift that trap up and let's call those things, in, in, that, your purpose in, into being. Let me let you fly. Let me let you soar. And see, really, that's God's heart for you and I. Okay? But, but let me give you this uh, Proverbs 29, verse, uh, uh, verse 25. One more time. Okay? Because we've got to know the solution. You want to know the solution? Right? It says, the fear of a man brings a snare. Now, here's the antidote. Right? But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord over man shall be safe, shall be in his presence. So that's looking at it and saying, you know what? What does God say? What does God see? What a God, what, it, everything's about God, right? And the moment we don't, don't trust God, what happens? We start to stump our potential, 
because they're now trusting in man. So the keys to deliverance of this bondage is first, you see it in your life. Once you start seeing that you are more concerned about the approval of man over anything else, over God, then you know you're in a snare. You're snared by it. The second thing is, seek ministry. Okay? Seek ministry. Get prayed for. Don't try to do it yourself. Right? And if you, if you think, oh, no, I'm going to do it all on my own, then that right there tells you you got some fear of man issues. Because in order for you to get where you need to get in this, you're going to have to rely on the very thing that you're in fear of. That's man. Because there's nothing like someone who, who comes alongside of you and prays for you and stands with you and says, man, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to, I'm going to thank the Lord and I'm, you know, I might even hold you accountable, Pastor Scott. Okay, hold me accountable. Right? Because there's something about community. There's something about the body of Christ coming together and, and loving each other. Not, not pointing fingers at each other, but loving each other to the point where, man, we are, are causing ourselves to get to good works and, and the things that God wants us to do. So get prayed for, right? And then the very last thing, which is the most important too, is to just trust God. Put his opinion over man's opinion. And then you can start seeing and walking in freedom from this bondage, from this area. You can start closing the door. When all of a sudden, you know what, your flesh will start rising up and say, oh no, don't say that because they're going to think this or they're, you know, going to whatever and all this stuff. Man, once you recognize that now, I hope, right? Because, you know, doing these messages sometimes helps me remember even when I'm encountering things. Man, don't give in to that. You, you, you step beyond it. You take a step of faith and say, man, I'm not going to give in to this fear of man. I don't care what this person thinks of me. I don't care what, what's going on. You know what? I know that I need God's approval more than I need man's approval. And that's all that matters. Right? And sometimes that might cause things to be a little rocky. But man, I would much rather have God's love and grace on my life and me being able to flourish the way God has called me to, even if it's a little bit rocky. When we moved out here from California, uh, I don't even know how long ago, it seems like 16 years ago, somewhere around in there, we had people saying, why are you going? You shouldn't go. No, you, you, what are you doing? Yeah, we knew. See, we could have lived in the fear of man and said, yeah, you're right, man, we're going to stay because, man, we don't want you to be mad and angry with us. You don't want to be frustrated with us and all that. No, we knew what God had said. And that's where you got to get to the point where, you know what? I'm trusting God. We're coming out here and we're going to find a whole new group of friends, right? We're going to find a whole new opportunity to minister to people we didn't even know. Like, I didn't even know any of you, except my kids and my wife. I didn't even, but, but see, that's, that's the thing. Sometimes you just got to step out and follow and obey him more than you got to do man. And then God begins to open things up to a point where all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm, I'm starting to feel and know that God's using me in the kingdom. But we can't let this bondage snare us. So I'm going to pray for you right now. But as, as, as we normally do, if um, you want prayer 
after service, after I get done praying and the music starts, and you want to come up and get prayer, people are here to pray for you. People are here to pray for you. If you want to come down to the altar and make it between you and God, I think you can do that too. Come down to the altar. Spend time with Jesus. Talk to him. Open up your heart. There's nothing wrong with rendering your heart before the Lord. And no one's going to judge. No one's going to look at you. See, you got to get past that fear of man to the point where, man, no, I'm going to run to you, God, and I don't care if I look foolish doing it because you're more important than man's opinion. And I, I just, man, it's such, I feel like it's such a releasing word. I hope that it's ministering to you guys as you're hearing that, that you're just like going, yeah, there are times I catch myself and I think, ah. But man, see, Jesus is so graceful and he's so loving and he's so merciful just like he was with Peter. And he's just saying, hey, just, just come back. I'm calling you back. Talk to me about it. Let's, let's get this thing. And then, man, once you recognize that that, 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 that thing's coming up, then, man, you, you just blow past it. And the more you blow past it, the more you do what, what you're supposed to do, the more, man, that, that whole thought of fear of man is going to be in your rearview mirror, and you're not even going to look at it anymore. And it's not going to be a thing, and God's going to be like, yeah, go, Pastor Scott, or whatever. You know what I mean? If it was me. He's, he'd be, be your biggest cheerleader because he doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to win every single time. Every time you, you win because of who Christ is. Not because we're special, but because who Jesus is in our life. Okay, so I'm going to pray. I know I said enough. But if you want to come to the altar, you can't. If you want prayer for it, we'll, we'll be open as long as anybody wants anything. Okay? Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for the opportunity um, to have the Holy Spirit here today. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are speaking to each one of our hearts and lives. And man, maybe it's just, this has been all for me. I don't know. But man, I, I know there, there are things that we've talked about during the preparation of this service. That you have lovingly, lovingly wrapped your arms around me and said, let's go. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts about this, this area that we've opened doors to, to allow man to, to create fear in us because we're more concerned about man than we are about you. And I thank you that you are a gracious, loving God. And so I just pray blessing upon each and every individual that's here. Speak to us, uh, Holy Spirit, throughout this week. Help this, this message really stir in us so that we can overcome this, this area and that we can be all that you have called us to be because you've called each and every one of us to so much more than we're experiencing. And may they walk in freedom from this bondage. And so I thank you for that in Jesus. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.